0: Welcome to the sermon webcast of Good News Lutheran Church of Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. The following sermon was preached on August 23rd, 2015, on the basis of Luke 12, verses 49 through 53. Out of all of the people running for president in 2016, which one do you think is the most like Jesus? (laughs) Jesus. At first, I thought it would be sort of silly to even ask that question, but then a quick internet search revealed that apparently all kinds of people are dying to know the answer to that question and maybe even basing their eventual vote on the answer. So I figured I could ask, too. And I'm only going to give you a minute to think about it because I think that's all it will take for you to arrive at the very same answer that I did. I mean, it's sort of obvious, isn't it? Clearly, It's Donald Trump. I'm serious. Think about it for a moment. Donald Trump is the one candidate who will say what is on his mind. He's the one candidate who appears to care absolutely nothing for public opinion. He's the one candidate who will say whatever he thinks, regardless of what it might do for his popularity and eventually his chances of winning. And at least in that way, he's a little bit like Jesus. That's ultimately the big idea behind the series that we are starting today. For the next couple of weeks, we will be in a section of the Gospel of Luke where Jesus is on his last journey to the city of Jerusalem, the capital city of Israel. His mission to be crowned king is coming to an end. And at one point on that journey, Luke tells us that a crowd of many thousands had gathered so that they were trampling on one another. Even a mediocre politician could have managed not to screw this up. Everything was going right for Jesus. And yet by the end of this journey, he was public enemy number one. All of the rabid fans had gone away. And even his most loyal followers were lurking in the shadows rather than standing by his side. And in large part, it was because of the things that Jesus kept saying. Things like what you just heard. Do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. Jesus, the one that we so often associate with That idea of peace, the one that we even call the Prince of Peace, says to us today, I didn't come to bring peace, I came to bring division. And in fact, Jesus says, that division might separate those nearest and dearest to your heart. In fact, Jesus says, If you follow me, I might just divide your family. Who's with me? We can imagine... Why saying things like this didn't do a whole lot for Jesus' popularity. So what did he mean? What impact on our families should we expect following Jesus to have? And why would we follow him in spite of that? In other words, what does Jesus want us to learn is even stronger than our family ties. Let's take a look. Before we get into all of the business about family relationships, Jesus starts out these verses with two important statements that are both somewhat mysterious or cryptic in nature. Jesus first says, I have come to bring fire on earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. In other words, Jesus says that by the time his work on earth is done and he goes back up into heaven, he will have started a fire on the earth. In fact, he wishes that it were already started. You can imagine that the key to understanding that statement is realizing what Jesus meant by that word fire. Well, for now we're going to put that off. Because right away next Jesus said, "First, first I have a baptism to undergo, and how I am distressed until it is completed." Again, you can right away see that the key to understanding that statement Is knowing exactly what Jesus meant by baptism. We know what a baptism is, right? You take a little bit of water, you add God's Word, and the Holy Spirit causes some incredible things to happen. Jesus had one of those baptisms. It happened right at the very beginning of his ministry in the Jordan River by John the Baptist. But that literal baptism was an event in the past. Here Jesus is talking about a figurative baptism that is still often his future. And the important thing to realize is the connection between the two. Here's what I mean. By its very nature, sin separates people. Sin divides people. As you well may know, sin can ruin marriages. Sin can destroy families. Sin can bring even the closest of friendships to a permanent end. And if that's the effect that sin can have among people who are all sinful, just think of the effect that sin has between us and our holy, perfect, righteous God. A holy God cannot tolerate sin and cannot even be in the presence of people who sin. Sin destroys our relationship with our Heavenly Father. Thankfully, that broken relationship with God is exactly what Jesus came to fix. And step number one in his mission was to take all of the world's sin on and in himself. And that's exactly what happened at his baptism. Jesus wasn't baptized because he needed to be the way that you and I do. But when Jesus was baptized, it was his way of standing up and saying, Here I am. I am here to take the place of every single sinner on earth. At his baptism, the sinless Son of God became not just a sinner, but really the sinner, with a capital S. All of the world's sin was placed On him. And as a result, that baptism earned him a one way ticket to this future baptism that he's talking about here. Not the literal sprinkling of water on his head, but more of a figurative flood of water. An entire flood of all of God's wrath against sin was poured out on Jesus, including the separation that sin. Inevitably causes. Yes, on the cross, Jesus, the sinner, was forcibly and painfully separated from his Father in heaven. In fact, so much so that as he looked up to heaven on the cross, he couldn't even address God as his Father. He simply said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Let's think about that for a moment. In a minute, we're going to talk about the potential division that Jesus can cause within our families. And if you don't know already, you should know that that division can be incredibly difficult and painful. And that's when imperfect people are separated from other imperfect people with whom they've had an imperfect relationship for, what, maybe years or a few decades at the most? Imagine the pain when the perfect Son of God was separated from his perfect Father in heaven with whom he had a perfect relationship from all eternity there's only one explanation for why he would do it. And that's his infinite and unconditional love for you. That's really the first thing that Jesus wants us to learn from these verses. Yes, family ties are strong. But Jesus' love for you is even stronger than his own heavenly family ties. At the same time, we can understand why Jesus wishes that all of it were already over. We can understand why Jesus says that he's so distressed until he goes through this baptism, until this baptism is completed. Of course, that would eventually happen. And in fact, on the cross, Jesus eventually said the very word that he says here, the one that's translated, completed. As we read that account from the cross, it's usually translated a little bit differently. Jesus said, It is finished. The separation that sin causes with our God was now over. And the price that needed to be paid for sin was now paid in full. How do we know? Think of the very next words out of Jesus' mouth. As now he looks up to heaven and says, Father, Into your hands I commit my spirit. And of course, the Father, in very short order, affirmed that restored relationship with his Son when he raised him back to life on the third day, and then 40 days later, welcomed him back into heaven with open arms. The capital S sinner was now the capital S Savior. And that's when that fire that Jesus talked about in these verses was finally started on earth. So what does Jesus mean when he calls it a fire? Well, the image of a fire brings many different pictures and many different meanings to mind. A fire spreads. A fire warms and heats. A fire consumes and destroys. But a fire also separates. Both in ancient times and still today, fire is used in the production of metal to separate the pure metal that is being sought from any impurities that are found in it. Fire separates. And in the very same way, the fire that Jesus started on this earth has the inevitable effect of causing separation. If Jesus is in fact the Sinner, the one who was separated from God for all of us, and if he is the Savior, the one who's been reunited with God for all of us, then every single person on earth must take one of two positions in respect to Jesus. Either he must cling to Jesus with all his might, putting all of his hope of salvation in him, or he must dismiss Jesus as absolutely useless. It has to be one or the other. There really is no third option. Now I would guess that most of you in the room today would identify with that first group of people. And if that's the case, realize what a tremendous blessing that is. In fact, since we've been talking about it already today, Realize that that's what God did for you in your baptism. Take a little bit of water, add God's word, and some incredible things start to happen. In fact, tomorrow night in our page one class, we're going to be covering the lesson on baptism. And whenever we cover that lesson, I like to show this drawing. In baptism, the Holy Spirit does for us something that we could never do for ourselves. He takes us and he brings us to Jesus. Jesus. He establishes a connection with Jesus, the connection of faith. And it's that connection with Jesus that makes our relationship with our Father exactly the same as Jesus' relationship with His Father perfect, restored, right. It's that connection of faith with Jesus that if it lasts until the day we die, will eventually make our home exactly the same as Jesus' home. The perfect paradise of heaven at our Father's side. If we have that connection with Jesus, realize what a tremendous blessing it is. But now the big question about what, of the, what about those who don't? who rather than having that connection with Jesus, dismiss him as useless? And what if they are the members of our own family? Realize that if the fire that Jesus started here on earth separates even us and the closest members of our family, really there are one of three outcomes for that situation. One, at one point the Holy Spirit establishes in them the same connection with Jesus that he has established in us. And if that happens, realize that the greatest blessing of that is not the unity that we would now enjoy, but the fact that that person now enjoys unity with God, both now and forever. And if that happens, God deserves our very highest praise. Outcome number two. The connection that we have with Jesus is never established in that person. And the fire that Jesus started on earth separates us from them for the rest of our earthly lives. First of all, realize that in situations like that, it doesn't mean that our earthly relationship with that person has to be bad. It might, but it doesn't have to be. Certainly, we will remain separated from them on this important, important issue. But it's not as though we start resenting the person. It's not as though we we can't associate with them anymore or start treating them with disdain. In fact, the very opposite, we treat them with all of the love and kindness and patience in the world. But the fact remains that as we continue to share the good news about Jesus with that person that we love, with all gentleness, all patience, all love, we might receive in return defensiveness, hostility, and animosity. So let's say that happens. And let's say that that earthly relationship is damaged and maybe even ruined. Is that a painful thing? Yeah, absolutely. And yet at the end of the day, we know that our broken relationship with that person is far from their biggest problem. They remain separated from their God. And as a result, they are on a path that will lead them to separation from God and from us for all eternity. The far bigger problem and the one that causes us far more pain. And that's also what causes us and keeps us from falling into the trap of outcome number three. That's the one where we try to put out the fire that Jesus started on earth. That's the one where we go to any lengths to try to eliminate the separation that Jesus promised this fire would cause. How does that look? Well, it's when we give up trying to talk about Jesus with a brother or a sister who has wandered away from the faith. It's when we stop insisting that we will be in church along with our children, whether the spouse is there with us or not. It's when instead of gently and kindly rebuking a son or a daughter for a sinful lifestyle that they have chosen to pursue, we instead decide to say nothing so that no one gets upset. Friends, realize what each one of those situations is. Each one is an attempt to put out the fire that Jesus came here to start. And it's a very feeble one at that. Trying to ignore someone's broken relationship with Christ so that our Christmas dinner can be a little bit more pleasant is like trying to spit out a forest fire. Jesus promises that this fire will continue to burn no matter what. And in fact, the only way that we can completely eliminate the separation between us and those who have no connection to Christ is if we foolishly sacrifice our connection to With Christ completely. That's why Jesus wants to teach us what he does in these verses. Yes, family ties are very strong, but Jesus' love for you is even stronger than his heavenly family ties. And as a result, our connection with Jesus is even stronger than our earthly family ties. That's why Jesus says these difficult things certainly wasn't an attempt to make himself popular. It wasn't because he's vain or conceited or wants lots of attention. No, it's because he loves us and he loves the members of our family. When Jesus came to start this fire, it wasn't his desire that it would cause division in our families. And yet he's willing to see that happen. Because far greater than his desire for us to have good family relationships here on earth, Jesus, more than anything, wants us and wants all people to be part of his heavenly family for all eternity. For more information about Good News Lutheran Church, visit www.goodnewslc.org.